Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. I want to celebrate the Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, which is May. And my guest today is my good friend, Hang Black, who is the author of Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Path as an Immigrant Woman in the Workplace. Also, a former Cisco colleague of mine and currently a vice president of Juniper Networks in sales operations. She'll be talking about her immigrant experience as well as what she's learned along her career. So don't go away. On this week's tech news, first up, the European Union charges Apple with antitrust breach and they're citing the Spotify App Store in their complaint. So the European Commission has decided that due to Apple's App Store and Apple Pay, that they have an unfair advantage against competition and that this gives them a gatekeeper status, which limits the ability for others to successfully compete against them. Uh, this is an early part of that trial or its investigation. And so I'll give you more information as it goes along. Also up is if your paycheck is missing this week, it's very likely that QuickBooks is to blame for that. Uh, QuickBooks, which is owned by Intuit, a company I used to work for, said that a problem with a third-party processor is making it that some users are not getting their paychecks. Uh, people are very upset because apparently they're not happy with how Intuit QuickBooks customer service has been responding and that sometimes what they're calling that their complaints or questions are going into a black hole. Also, in more Apple news, Epic Games, the developer of the viral game Fortnite, is suing Apple over unfair practices, stating that their 30% fee on any digital product is not something that they should be applying to the entire industry. And so Fortnite is really testing this in court to see if Apple has the right to take 30% off the top. Uh, this is a result of earlier where Apple threatened to take it out of the App Store because they are not paying what's called a Apple tax. So I'll give more information on that as well. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, my special guest today is Hang Black, who is a VP of Revenue Enablement at Juniper Networks, but also the author of Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Path as an Immigrant Woman in the Workplace. Welcome, Hang. Hi, Keith. So nice to be here with you today. It's great to be here with you. So I wanted to get to know a little bit about you. What's your story? How did you both um, start off in your career, but also um, how, what made you into an author? Well, thank you for asking. Um, I am a Vietnamese immigrant. I came over on, well, my family began our journey on April 29th, 1975, which uh, if anyone, if you listeners are aware of the history, the country fell on April 30th, 1975. So we were actually in the middle of the Black Sea watching as bombs fell over Saigon. Um, I did end up eventually in the deep south and grew up in Louisiana. So I self-identify as a very proud Asian Cajun um, <laughs> who eats spicy food. But um, I grew up in the middle of a very black and white 
culture, literally, with only a handful of Asians around me. I then went to UT Austin and eventually, like a good um, Asian child, I between doctor, lawyer, engineer, I picked engineer and eventually um, was in engineering for almost a decade, after which I switched to marketing for nearly a decade and I've been in sales for nearly a decade. Now, I know I'm aging myself, but that's okay. I like to say that I started in engineering because I love solving hard problems and I love numbers and I ended up in sales because I like numbers with dollar signs in front of them a lot more. Um, so that's my career path. But the truth of the matter is my road was way more difficult than it needed to be. And I'm hoping that I can make it easier for those behind me. What do I mean by that? When you're young in career, you know, think of the base of a mountain. It's expansive. There are many trails up. And you can actually ascend with meritocracy. But as you move up, you look around you, you notice, hmm, some people have a jet to the top. Some people have a helicopter to the top. Some people have Sherpas and tools that you didn't even know existed. And if you're like me, a double minority, uh, meaning being female and a person of color, you don't even realize that you're navigating in the dark because how do you know that you're blind if you can't see? So what I learned is middle of my career, I basically ran up a steep incline. And when that happens, you just work harder and more harder, right? As, a, as, a, as an immigrant, as a woman, keep your head down, just work harder, and you keep running in circles. What I was too blind to see and too arrogant to realize was that hard work is not enough. I worked myself into the ER twice. Oh, no. So my advice to other people, don't wait for that. Don't wait for that moment. What you really need is to find the secret person who will give you the secret key to the secret tunnel to help you advance your, in, within the surroundings that you have. Now, why I wrote the book is because it's 30 years of having done the work, um, having gone through a lot of experiences, reading books, going to conferences, lots of personal therapy. And what I like to say to people is my career actually didn't really take off until the age of 45. So don't dishearten. It's never too late. But in the last few years, I've had tens of thousands of dollars spent on me for executive coaching by my company. How do I give immigrants and women access to that knowledge that they couldn't otherwise see? And so I'm working with a lot of people in the Asian and immigrant community to provide that access for everyone behind us so we can level the playing field a little bit. Yeah, that is great um, summary of, of where you started and where you got to. It really resonates with me because uh, for 30 years, I've been on my own journey working with Asian professionals and being an Asian professional. And not just that, also working with both East meets West and West meets East. So the same thing happens in the other context where people are trying to figure out how to work with the um, Asian part of the world. But what really resonates with me in particular is just this whole thought of uh, we grew up in Eastern society that there's some meritocracy involved with everything we do and that you kind of sit in place, you wait for good things to happen. And that's when uh, assignments come, promotions come. And that's usually what we say is the, the work style model of the East. 
in the Western world, it's a little bit different. And without having, like you said, Sherpas and guides and people telling you that these are how things work, that whole concept of, you know, work harder, you know, work smarter, not harder. Well, we work harder and we think we're being yes. smart about it. So I, I think that's where uh, we could talk a little bit more about my, my passion is for mentoring all people, but to understand uh, first that that takes self-awareness and then ide- identifying what kind of mentors you should obtain. My usual recommendations are if you're going to go for mentoring, you need four. You need a peer mentor. So there's no competition. There's nothing in it other than just somebody that's a sounding board. You need a devil's advocate, somebody that actually will pressure test your ideas and your thoughts, right? Um, you need a champion. I think people get confused between mentors and champions. I think that's what you were alluding to in terms of the people you align with. And um, this is a very deep conversation that I hope we get into in our next segment. And then you need a life coach or a life mentor. And it doesn't mean a lot of uh, paid coaches get really excited when I say that. They go, oh, you should hire a life coach. You're like, well, there are paid coaches, but there are also unpaid coaches. It's just identifying somebody who's not your spouse, who you can actually share your life with. And so that's usually my recommendations on the approach of mentoring. Um, and I, I'm happy to get more into that with you as we get back. Cause I think everything you're saying is very powerful, um, not just for um, Asian women, but for all people who are trying to figure out how to navigate their career. So thanks for being here, Hang. Absolutely, absolutely. And you Wait, know- part- I'm gonna transition to the next segment. So. Okay, okay, go ahead. So thanks for being here, Hang. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On the show today is my special guest, Hang Black, who's the VP of Sales Enablement at Juniper Networks, but also the author of Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Path as an Immigrant Woman in the Workplace. Well, if you, um, if you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And I'm now at Clubhouse at Keith Koo. And I'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My special guest today is Hang Black, who is a VP of Sales Enablement at Juniper Networks, but also the author of Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Way as an Immigrant Woman in the Workplace. Welcome back, Hang. Hi, so excited to be here with you. So just as we ended the last segment, we start talking about mentorship. I gave what usually I advise people on how to find mentors and I gave my four steps to that. Uh, what is your thoughts on mentor and sponsorship? You know, um, as you mentioned, mentorship can come from anywhere. I often say, you know, make sure you have mentors from above from around and below. Some of the best mentorship that I have is from um, the people who work for me and actually even my children. They keep me on my toes as far as keeping me relevant and letting me know that I don't know everything that I think I know. Um, But I do want to talk about sponsorship, which I believe you call a champion. Mm -hmm. That's the person you don't necessarily drink wine with, um, you know, they, I, I think of mentors as the people who can help you work through a problem and sponsors as the people who can work, help you work to a problem. Meaning, you know, value right now with AIML, value right now is about the creative process. You know, 
how do I not just solve the problem and be the doer, but how can I find the problem that people don't even see exists and be the thinker? Um, so sponsors will help you open doors to unblock you on those sort of initiatives. They'll also pound the table for you when you're not in the room because decisions about your career are made when you're not in the room. If you're an entrepreneur, decisions on going with which agency are made when you're not in the room. A lot of work you know, has been around mentorship and sponsorship. However, what I will say is that those are very one-on-one -on -one relationships. So when we start thinking about elevating a whole class of people, unmarginalizing the marginalized, we need to talk about allyship and role modeling. So allyship are those that will raise a whole class behind them, right? Who are, um, who are seeking the voices of those who, for whom they want to advocate for and, being, and providing the platform where the person who's in the minority is providing the voice. So an example that I give in my book is think about the civil rights movement. MLK would not have been successful without JFK. That's a given. However, I will argue that the reverse is also true. JFK would not have been successful without MLK because even though he's very well intentioned, very much cares for, um, very much cares for the class, how can he speak to human experience that he himself did not walk through? He needed Malcolm, I'm sorry, he needed MLK to provide the voice with credibility and JFK provided the platform. So it wasn't a mentor-sponsor relationship, right? But that's where you get effective transformation en masse. Thank you. That's a great, great story to, re re um, to retell and just reminding us of how things uh, worked back then and how they're applicable to today. So I wanted to shift a little bit. Uh, we had talked about it off uh, microphone. Is this concept of uh, being invisible in the workplace, especially for, for yourself being a double minority. And I'll tee it up that um, this is a quantitative analysis done by uh, two of my, who I see as my mentors, uh, Buck G and Denise Peck, who were early Cisco executives and post-retirement, they were doing a study on Asian leaders in the workplace. In order to do that, they had to actually do a horizontal mapping. Well, they have to do a longitudinal study on all people groups. So they did Caucasian male, female, Black male, female, Latinx male, female, and Asian male, female, to understand that uh, the perception that Asians are a, a big force in the workplace in terms of numbers, they're actually the lowest to ever achieve a leadership role in now we're finding in any industry vertical. So it's not just technology, not just finance, and more of the work I'm doing um, in my startup space and looking at people coming out of corporate, it also applies to education, also applies to entertainment and media, that we generally as Asians make about 10% of leadership roles. And uh, when we get to this factor called the uh, executive parity index where all things being equal, we get to one where uh, every people group is under a one. Um, Caucasians are over a one. So males are at 1.7, was originally at 1.9, now 1.7. Caucasian females are at 1.2 um, and now they're about 1.4. These are just numbers at the top of my head. Uh, by the lowest stretch, Asian men at under 0.5 and Asian women at under 0.4 
are the least likely to ever make a leadership role in any industry now. Yeah. Think about that. I'm not terribly shocked. And here's why. If you look at the McKinsey Women in the Workplace study, um, it's been running six years in a row. Data hasn't changed year to year. Um, but basically, when we start at early career, white men are at 35% of the population. By the time they get to C-suite, that's, they're at 66%, almost double. Men of color and white women decrease by one third. Women of color decrease by five sixths. And that's lumping together all people of color. Now, let's set that aside for a minute. If you look at the 2010 census, we don't have 2020 data yet, but if you look at the 2010 census, um, non-Hispanic, whites are at 64% of the population, blacks are at 13% of the population, um, uh, Hispanics are at 30, 30 plus percent of the population, Asians are at 6% of the population. So the question is, why are we not considered a minority? We are in this invisible space where we don't have the access of our lighter skin cohorts and we don't receive the compassion of our darker skin cohorts. And what's been really lovely and unifying for me to see in this very unfortunate event after the shootings in Georgia is to see all the racists and allies come around to surround us. But remember, as Asians, we are neither implicitly included nor explicitly excluded. So to your point at us being Asian male at 0.6, Asian female at 0.4 does not surprise me. For one thing, we're invisible. Secondly, as you mentioned earlier with your own experience and many of our experiences, we grow up in between the lines of Western autonomy and Eastern um, uh, autocracy, you know, an autocratic environment. So we suffer from, do I speak up or not? And all we're taught is to shut up and work hard, <laughs> you know? So we've got to be able to navigate in that middle space. So my ask and my call to action for Asians is to start speaking up and standing up. And I, I talk about it all the time when it comes to access. If you want to show up, if you want to show up, you know, if you want to, if you want to be seen, show up. Yep. If you want to be heard, speak up. If you want to make an impact, stand up. So what do I mean by that? One of the gifts of this pandemic is the democratization of access. So if you look at a Zoom screen, we all have the ability to take up the same space as any of our peers on the phone call. Now, I run a lot of global um, team meetings, and I noticed that in Asia Pac, they keep their cameras off because culturally, that's what you do. And I have to press women harder and I have to press Asians harder to turn their cameras on because I tell them, if you want to be seen, you got to show up. So we've got to remove that invisibility cloak because it is a superpower that I guarantee you, you don't want to have in the, in the workplace. Yeah. And I, I thank you, Hank, because those are very empowering words. And I would say that um, speaking up, showing up, standing up, there have been times in my career where I've always been that person and certain leaders have tried to hold me down 
because they know that because that's the secret to their own success. Mm -hmm. Or they ask you to feed them. That's right. That's right. So a very powerful conversation. Um, Really enjoying it. I I know we're, we're talking about uh, race in the workplace and some of the underlying factors in that, but I think it's an important conversation to have, especially here in Silicon Valley. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On the show today is my special guest, Hang Black, who is the VP of Sales Enablement at Juniper Networks and the author of her book, Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Path as an Immigrant Woman in the Workplace. If you have questions or comments or how to get a hold of the book, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And I'm on Clubhouse at Keith Koo. And we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. For the entire month of May, I'll be celebrating Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And my guests will be of Asian descent. This week is my friend, Hang Black who is a vice president at Juniper Networks and Sales Operations, but also in her spare time, talks a lot about diversity and inclusion. She wrote a book called Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Path as an Immigrant Woman in the Workplace. And we're going to be continuing on that discussion today. In this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk about what contact tracing is in light of a lawsuit filed against Google. And this is because of COVID-19. So the lawsuit alleges that Google's contact tracing applications that are used on Android devices are actually leaking data. Now, Google says that it reviewed the data or the issue and updated their code, and therefore now it's fixed. What was that issue was that in how these applications were enabled, some Bluetooth users could see the switching back and forth. And in doing that, we're revealing things called Mac addresses which every piece of hardware actually has. And without getting too into the weeds on MAC addresses, um, think of it as a unique identifier for your phone, your computer, your tablet. There are some techniques to hide that, which I'm not going to get into today. But in any case, Google said that they fixed that problem, so therefore it's not a problem anymore. The lawsuit alleges that whether they fixed it or not, it did happen at the time. It did leak data at the time. And there's always paranoia that these apps will leak data from time to time just because of as they get updated, sometimes the developers don't realize that they left certain aspects of the code open, so to speak. So the cyber tip is just to be aware that anything you put on your phone, even if it's issued by Apple or Google, what have you, could have the ability to monitor your actions. That doesn't mean you shouldn't use the apps. It just means you should be aware of it. Also be aware of what you're putting on your phone. So in case it ever got stolen, that that data is secure. And that is the cyber tip of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, my special guest is Hang Black, who's the vice president of sales enablement at Juniper Networks and the author of the book, Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Path as an Immigrant Woman in the Workplace. Welcome back, Hang. Hi. Really glad to be with you today. So interesting show today. I mean, I know we're talking about, since we're both Asian, American, and we actually have uh, immigrant experience. You were born overseas. I was born here. But the shared experience of just our careers in corporate America, um, I thought it was interesting because we talked about access. We talked about invisibility and some of the structural reasons why that is. But I wanted to continue on in that discussion because uh, it'd be interesting to get your insight onto in a COVID and post-COVID world, 
what have you seen? What are your observations? I, um, you know, COVID sucks. You know, I, I miss seeing people. I miss hugging people. However, I have to admit, I don't know about you, Keith, but I've never been more spontaneously busy and bored. <laughs> and one of the things that I find uh, with the immigrant experience is that we tend to thrive in moments of chaos. Um, I tell people all the time, crisis is my jam. Cause like I accelerate during crisis because everyone else is disoriented. And as we talked about before, I'm used to navigating in the dark. That is super normal for me. So I love it when it slows crisis slows everybody else down and I'm you know running at the same pace and I'm actually making ground. The other thing about it is when the lights do turn on for you as a tenacious immigrant or anyone who has ever had to deal with adversity, when the lights turn on, you can actually see the shape of every trail, the incline of every hill, and you can, again, accelerate even faster than you had been before. So it actually behooves, um, it behooves organ organizations to bring in all these perspectives. You know, when, when we talk about the pipeline for leadership, I just call BS on the lack of pipeline. These people are out there. And the difficulty is that leadership, you know, we all do it. It's hardwired into our brains to surround ourselves with familiarity. So, you know, what leadership doesn't see is they always say, I don't want to hire a token. I want to hire for best talent. This year's International Women's Day theme was choose a challenge. So I now have a position in my company and in my network where I can raise my voice and say, I choose to challenge you. What does best talent look like? Is it necessarily an Ivy League degree or is it someone with a two-year degree who's had to raise children and work three jobs? Is it someone who has had a college degree from a good university um, that has been passed over at time and time and time again, which is what we often see by Asians who have been invisible, by women who've been unheard and unseen. So, you know, there's all this um, there's all this rich pipeline and tenacity and diversity that companies and organizations, I don't think have intentionally neglected, but they don't have the eyes to see and the ears to listen for. Yeah, that's sobering. And uh, I'm glad that with International Women's Day that there was the ability to challenge what best talent means. You know, something happened to me recently where I got into an argument with uh, a white friend and he asked me, um, you're an Asian American or a Chinese American? I said, yes, I am. He said, well, how come um, it sounds like you have an affinity more for China than for America? And it really upset me because I said, well, first of all, I'm 100% a Christian first, we're both men of faith, and then I'm 100% Asian and I'm hundred percent American. And so I asked him if you're saying that um, I shouldn't have a pride in my identity as a Chinese person, you know, that's silly. And then I asked him, well, what do you, 
with a nation of 43% of the world's immigrants are in the United States. So we're a nation of immigrants. How do you define what an American is? If I were to say, okay, fine, I'm gonna reject my Chinese heritage. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. And he didn't have an answer. He just wanted to ask the question, but he never actually articulated, what would that actually mean? What does the concept of being an American mean? I mean, hot dogs, apple pie at USA, that's me. But like, what does it actually mean to say that? And I was actually pretty offended. Yeah, and, and I don't blame you. And, you know, I think um, what people don't understand is we're all multi-layered people, yeah. right? And so we've got these different backgrounds and histories. But let me ask you, Keith, what does being a minority mean to you? What does a minority mean to me? Mm-hmm. Well, minority in the absolute sense means the, uh, oh, I can tell you what it literally means. It means we have the smaller number. Um, in terms of uh, underserved communities, it means that um, less access, less ability to to identify. And, um, you know, it's different. I should say all underserved communities have their own characteristics. But for Asians, as we talked about earlier, it's invisibility. And it's also now a new term, especially that came out of um, last year's challenges post-George Floyd, was that Asians are also now seen as white adjacent. Yes. Well, I would also say what type of Asians, right? Um, So, you know, we're, again, we've got to break this monolith of what an Asian is. And we also have to break the inter-Asian racism. I mean, how do we expect other people to embrace us if we don't embrace each other, which is a really important conversation that we can have um, otherwise, you know, like, um, but, if we talk about being a minority, what the way I've explained it to um, the executives has been, look, in a bowl full of yellow Skittles, a blue Skittle stands out, which is great for branding, but not for belonging. In a bowl full of multicolored candy, we're all misfits and therefore we're all the same and we all have the same voice. When I run diversity workshops, which by the way, I have a very beefy day job (laughs) that I love and will not depart from, but I run diversity workshops because I care and because I can, because I have the voice in the platform. I make sure to invite men. I make sure to invite white men because my goal is not to victim blame, but it's also not to privilege shame. Now, when these white men are in the room, guess who doesn't raise their hand? Guess who doesn't speak up? And when they do speak up, guess who talks all over them? It's whoever's the larger quantity in the room to your first definition. So we've got to be very careful about women are too demure, you know, men are bullies. It's just not true. You have a different defense mechanism. Your brain is wired a different way to behave a different way when you are in the majority of the room versus when you're the minority in the room, just in terms of pure numbers. So if we look at, you know, you and I both come from high tech. If you walk into a software building, the white man is not necessarily the majority. If you walk into a hardware building, the white man is not necessarily the majority. If you walk into an HR building, the white man is not necessarily the majority, right? So I think what we have to ask each other to do is sit in the shoes of when am I the most uncomfortable because I'm in the minority? That's how minorities feel all the time. And that simple shift in mindset is very helpful. 
Yes. In, in an example I just gave, um, he does happen to be an engineer in the Valley. He does happen to be a minority in his work setting. And so mm -hmm. I can understand, yes, but it was just, it was startling. But yes, that's a really good way. So we're both on Clubhouse and right when the, the past incident happened around a, a murder several months back or a couple months back, um, I held the stage right after the incident on Asian professionals. And uh, I'm pleased to say with the metrics, there's 21,000 people that streamed into the room over an eight hour period. We had 240 speakers and it was a very diverse stage in the entire time. So that was one thing that I thought was very helpful because it was a very, very balanced representation of true America and uh, people showing allyship and people supporting each other. And that was the most powerful takeaway from that. So um, what I liked about voice platforms like Clubhouse is this highly compressed ability to give content and feedback to each other. And so it was very positive. It was all about supporting the victims and how as we as society can move forward. Yeah, I, I held a, a clubhouse a couple days afterwards as well. It was really great to see men, women, people of all colors kind of join and primarily the uh, our allies, uh, white, black, beige and other um, were there to listen and support. And it was really nice to see the community come together. Right. Well, Hang, it's been great to have you on the show today. Um, in our last segment, in a little bit, I'm going to want to talk about your book a little bit more. So you've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider. Special guest today is Hang Black, VP of Sales Enablement at Juniper Networks by Day. Also the author of Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Path for Immigrant Women in the Workplace. If you want to get a hold of Hang, you can find her on her website, Hang with Hang, and that's also her handles in social media. You can email us at info at svn.biz, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And now you can listen to me on Clubhouse at Keith Koo, and we'll be right back to finish the show. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My special guest today is Hang Black, who is a VP of Sales Enablement at Juniper Networks and the author of the book, Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Path as an Immigrant Woman in the Workplace. And early in the show, we were talking a lot about, in celebration of Asian American History Month, what it's like to be an Asian in the workplace. What are some of the structural things and challenges that Asians go through, but also kind of the unique qualities and special um, specialness of being Asian as well as other people of color. And so I just really enjoyed that. Hey, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for um, sharing my story and the, the, the passion of the message I'm trying to get out there. Sure. But what I wanted to do today was um, for the end of our shows, we talk about some of the highlights from your book. Yeah. Um, we talked about navigating in the dark. And what I really want to call people to action on is, you know, to uncover your undiscovered hero within you. Because when times are tough, recognize that as maybe your hero's calling. And I have a tool in my book called the three R's, reflect, recalibrate, reset. Reflect on where you are today. Is it where you want to be? because we really hold ourselves accountable 
to our 20-year-old self and our ideals in our 20s. So as life changes and morphs, are we on the trajectory that we thought that we always wanted or have our views and desires and passions changed? Once you reflect on where you are, and this is all hard work, by the way, then you have to recalibrate. Well, then what do I need to do? Where do I want to go? With immigrants and with women, you know, women have this extra burden of being the primary caregiver at home, even if they're working, even if they happen to also be the primary breadwinner. With immigrants, we have this extra responsibility of taking care of our elders. If they're with us in the U.S., they don't come with 401ks and pensions. They haven't been here. They don't have access. They don't know what they don't know. Um, but if they're not with us, we have to send money back to the country we left behind to take care of our family. So once you've recalibrated, you know, to what do I need to do to take care of me now and my happiness, we have to understand that survival is not the destination and joy is not a luxury. We actually are, uh, we actually are allowed to be happy as well. So once you've recalibrated, then reset. What do I need to do and how do I accept myself? Okay, then you're working through your life and at some point you have to surrender to the suck because it's, you know, it's unfair, but those of us who have extra obstacles just have to realize life isn't fair, it sucks, but I'm gonna have to move past it. So once you allow yourself to surrender to the suck, it's the only way that the phoenix can emerge from the fire. At the end of the book, I talk about the poisons that we are surrounded with, mm. immigrant guilt, gender roles. How many times have you heard, Keith, what you do is never good enough because I had it so much harder. That's the immigrant's version of, I used to have to walk to school five miles barefoot in the snow, both directions, right? It's never good enough. Then there's perfectionism, female perfectionism. Then there's unworthiness. But remember that no matter what your environmental factors are, it is, a, it is your own accountability to drink the poison. The environment may offer you poison, but it's your accountability and responsibility on whether or not to drink from the vial. And the reason I use the analogies of poison is it's very stealth and they're different flavors. You can even mix it up in different cocktails or you can have individual shots. But at the end of the day, and you can even look down at your nose, serve someone else with a vial of judgment to someone else that is struggling just as you are. Yeah. Women do it all the time. Am I good enough mother? Am I baking cookies for the, for the class? Um, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the spirit of the book. And then we end with, well, what's the clear path? to get yourself out of it, to help you uplift yourself. What are some of the, you know, every chapter begins with a quote, ends with a song, has personal stories, and includes a lot of behavioral science in there that again, I had access to having been, you know, trained and coached and mentored and sponsored, that it's all kind of wrapped up in a tidy little bow. Thanks, Hang. Thanks for sharing your story with us today. I think your book is an amazing resource, uh, not just for Asians, but for any immigrant woman who is navigating their career. So thanks again for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for connecting. 
So thanks again. Uh, this is Keith Koo, Silicon Valley Insider. Uh, we are in celebrating Asian American History Month. My special guest today was Hang Black, who's a vice president of sales and enablement at Juniper Networks. And we were talking with her about her book, Embrace Your Edge, Pave Your Own Path as an Immigrant Woman in the Workplace. If you want to connect with Hang, go to her website, Hang with Hang. Also, those are her social media handles in Clubhouse, in Instagram. And you can also email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And you can listen to me now and meet me on Clubhouse at Keith Koo. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's one 888 828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 